sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid network as well. That includes sportsgrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination and consume everything all across the grid. I am Ben Stevens. It's the day following deadline day in Major League Baseball. The trade deadline has now come and passed at 6 p.m. Eastern time last night. The trade deadline done in MLB. The flurry of moves that we saw yesterday now setting the stage for the stretch run of this 2023 MLB season. Your favorite team, your least favorite team, now has their roster all set for what the moves they are going to make down this stretch run in the regular season with a focus on October, which contenders made the moves to have an even greater chance of being in the chase for a pennant or a World Series championship. We'll break it all down live right here on this Wednesday on TMA. We'll continue looking at the Women's World Cup. A stunner today down under as we get ready for more round of 16 qualifiers in the Women's World Cup. And of course, we have our eye on the NFL just 24 hours away from the first game day of the football year, the Hall of Fame game in Canton between the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns to kick off the NFL preseason in 2023. But we start with deadline day in the bigs in Major League Baseball. We showed it yesterday. The marquee name that was still on the chopping block potentially being dealt, New York's Justin Verlander. Well, a reunion in Houston in store for Verlander and the Astros, where he spent the previous five years before joining the Mets this past offseason. Verlander traded by New York to Houston once again. In return, the Mets get some pretty good prospects from the Astros, Drew Gilbert, who was the top Houston prospect in their farm system, and Ryan Clifford, the fourth best prospect, in return making their way back to Queens. But just after a few months in an Amazons uniform, Justin Verlander is headed back to H-Town to don the Astros uniform once again. The Mets, like they would do with Max Scherzer and a very large salary, will pay $35 million of the remaining $58 million owed to Justin Verlander when he is under contract through the end of this year and next year in 2024. So Justin Verlander reunites with the Astros. You see him there donning the Houston uniform for the past five seasons. And last year, it was celebratory for Justin Verlander and the Strohs. An American League Cy Young Award for Verlander now at the age of 40, last year as a 39-year-old, deep into his Major League Baseball career. An 18-4 and record in 2022. That was the most wins in all of MLB with a 1.75 ERA, the best mark in the bigs as well. An American League Cy Young Award for the individual in Verlander and, of course, a World Series championship for the Houston Astros last year in 2022 and of course the controversial one in 2017 in the midst of the cheating scandal in Houston but Verlander a part of that team as well a two-time Cy Young winner in Houston he returns to the Astros so that was the biggest move of deadline day 
yesterday. Verlander this year, 6-5 and five with a 3-1-5 ERA for the New York Mets. 81 strikeouts. He's really rounding into that Cy Young form from a season ago, only allowing seven earned runs in total in his last seven starts for the New York Mets. We'll focus on the Mets in just a moment. But first, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, our number one of a Wednesday, live on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. So after deadline day in MLB, here is where the odds stand now for the 2023 World Series. We told you to put a pin in the odds from yesterday to mark the movement after the deadline at 6.01 p.m. Eastern time. The Astros make the biggest move up from plus 850. They leapfrog their in-state foes in the Texas Rangers. The Strohs now a 7-1 price, the fourth best on the board. The top three teams, the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Rays, all remain with the same number before and after the deadline. Same with the Rangers. We already saw their move earlier in the week and over the weekend. The Orioles, with a small move yesterday, intriguing what Baltimore is doing, a young team primed for a pennant run in the American League with the best record in the AL, only making a small move to get Jack Flaherty, a starting pitcher from the St. Louis Cardinals. Maybe not the big splash we expected out of Baltimore, but their number did move. The O's were 17-1 prior to the deadline, now 12-1 to win a World Series. The New York Mets in a full fire sale. Max Scherzer over the weekend. Justin Verlander, Mark Hanna, and trading Tommy Pham to the Arizona Diamondbacks. A Mets team that entered this year with a payroll of $353 million courtesy of Uncle Steve Cohen, now completely rebuilding, and it seems they are not going to be in the hunt until two years to start the 2025 Major League Baseball season. The Mets, a loss yesterday, six games below 500, seven games back of a wild card spot, now 350 to one to win the World Series, the ninth longest price on the board. Here's some players that were not traded yesterday that leading up to the deadline were rumored to possibly be in the mix. Shohei Otani, of course, staying with the Angels. The Padres keeping their guys in-house, even acquiring Rich Hill and G-Man Choi. Dylan Cease was thought to be dealt from Chicago. He stays on the south side. Eduardo Rodriguez was traded for a moment to the Dodgers, but then invoked his no-trade clause to keep him closer to his family on the east coast plenty more around major league baseball following deadline day up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com The day following deadline day in MLB, otherwise known as a Wednesday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. The biggest move yesterday ahead of the trade deadline in the bigs, the Houston Astros acquiring Justin Verlander. And our focus on the diamond was the trade deadline, but there was still a full slate of games yesterday around MLB, all 30 teams in action. 15 contests in history in Houston as well. Framber Valdez, a no-hitter for the Houston Astros. 27 batters, the minimum is what he faced 
yesterday. He only needed just a tick above 90 pitches, and the Astros, of course, get a shutout in their victory against the Cleveland Guardians. So, the 16th no-hitter in the history of the Astros franchise, the third this year in Major League Baseball. The Yankees, Domingo Herman, a perfect game, and of course, a combined no-hitter from a team effort for the Detroit Tigers. But Framer Valdez always reminding people that, hey, it's great to have Verlander back, a part of the staff, but I was pretty critical to our World Series run a season ago. Big for Valdez because in his three starts following the All-Star break, leading up until yesterday's no-no performance, he allowed 15 earned runs in just three starts. So a bounce back from Valdez, a no-hitter yesterday for the Houston Astros. So a big day, Joe Pisapia, for the Astros in total. Re-acquiring Justin Verlander and a no-hitter in Houston for Framber Valdez. Joe Pisapia joins us here for the rest of this opening hour on a Wednesday on the morning after to react to everything we saw yesterday on deadline day. A cup of Joe to get you enthusiastic for a Wednesday live right here on TMA. Joe P, as always, we appreciate your time. Well, it's nice to be here. What a day it was for Major League Baseball, right? I think everybody had their eyes and ears tuned to the trade deadline. This is one of the pluses of expanded playoffs, right, Ben? Where more teams are possibly in it, so you're having more teams active out there. It was funny because since July 1st, every single team had made a trade in Major League Baseball except for one, and that was the New York Yankees, and they were the last one to do anything even yesterday. So it was kind of crazy to watch what we're usually used to, which is the Yankees making moves and the big teams making moves. Instead, you had teams like the Mets and the Yankees who looked more like sellers yesterday. Obviously, the Mets last week or so, uh, certainly moving in that direction. But yeah, I mean, yeah. and then you cap it all off with a no-hitter by Framber Valdez. I mean, that's pretty special. He then goes from the fifth spot in the Cy Young race back to third. He was leading a few weeks ago. So that continues to be one of these really interesting races that seems yeah. very fluid still with two months remaining. Garrett Cole, the even money favorite right now, but it wasn't all that long ago, just a few weeks before that Major League Baseball All-Star break, that Valdez was the favorite and the front runner for that American League Cy Young Award. So a big day in H-Town for the Astros. A reunion with Justin Verlander, the final cog, really, Joe P., for the New York Mets to sell off as they look to rebuild now probably in the near future starting in 2025. The $353 million payroll entering 2023 seems like a thing of the past. A disastrous failure type year for the Mets, but it all adds up to shipping around the roster and getting mm. rid of those big salaries. Justin Verlander now back in Houston where he spent the previous five years and was a World Series champion twice with the Strohs, an American League Cy Young Award as recently as last year in 2022. So, Joe P., what does it mean for Houston in a World Series chase once again to have Verlander back as the ace of the staff? Well, look, here on Sunday mornings, we spoke about this and what the possibility might be, and I was very much saying, hey, before they go out there and make a move, because they're going to, Put some money on the Astros to win the World Series. They were 8-1 to one on Sunday when we were looking at that. Now, that number, I'm sure, has changed after yesterday. But you're looking at uh, an organization that had to go out and make moves. They had injuries to the back end of this rotation. Frember Valdez was at a rough patch there, which clearly last night he took care of. Everything is fine now yeah. with Framber, which is good news. But, you know, Verlander, is, is, it's an old shoe. You know, it's almost like he was on vacation in New York for a couple months. And then they just send him right back. And this is your reigning Cy Young last year. And this is a guy that is familiar with what's going on, uh, familiar with the guys in the clubhouse, which you can't discount, familiar with the manager, yep. familiar with 
you know, the terrain, the city, everything. So this is a really easy fit. And if you didn't think they were the favorites before, then, you know, you weren't really paying attention because most of the time you get these teams that win World Series that go deeper into the season, right? You have a little fatigue by the time you get to spring training because these guys were playing baseball in October when everyone else was sitting out by the beach or the pool. Now, these guys were still playing ball, which means that, you know, some of the injuries with Alvarez, some of the injuries to this rotation, it took their toll in the Astros, but getting Verlander is what they needed. They needed that other guy in that one-two punch. Hunter Brown's pitched very well. They've gotten a lot of other good innings from some other guys in this rotation that you didn't expect. But at the end of the day, you need somebody else to pair with Framber Valdez, who you're going to fear in a short series. The Astros did that. And the Mets getting Drew Gilbert back, and then in that Scherzer trade, getting Luis Angel Acuna. I mean, we're talking about two really good prospects. Luis Angel Acuna, especially, I think, to me, he profiles a lot like an Ozzy Albies, if you're trying to look at like what that guy is like. And Drew Gilbert, a young left-handed power hitter who's got a cannon in right field. So don't discount this whole Mets situation of what they're doing. Yeah, they're sending a lot of mm-hmm. money. They're basically buying prospects, Ben, which is fascinating. I've yeah. never seen anything like this in Major League Baseball. This is the new thing. So they're buying the prospects, and then they're going to quote-unquote rebuild. But I would not be shocked if they took some of these prospects flipped them in the offseason and went right back out to contending again, but this time with a younger, more athletic team. And I think that's possibly also what's on the horizon for the Mets, just like the Reds did this year. Don't sleep on the Mets in this quote-unquote rebuild to maybe contend next year too. Drew Gilbert, the top prospect in Houston's farm system, their first-round pick just a few years ago out of Tennessee. He is electric. And he is powerful, a good return at least for the Mets who had to do something and they decide to sell after the disastrous season and the huge bankroll, but maybe they get some money back on their return. Joe P, as you look at the other moves that happened yesterday around MLB, Michael Lorenzen traded from the Tigers to the Phillies. The Phillies' odds in the World Series market getting a little bit shorter, of course. The reigning National League pennant winners. Jack Flaherty is the big move for Baltimore. How big is it? What was your favorite move of the day yesterday on deadline day in the bids? Well, just for perspective, the Orioles next year have $25 million committed. That's how much money the Mets sent over for Verlander. So just kind of getting an idea of where the salary structure is in Major League Baseball and how wacky things are. So I wish the Orioles did more because they have so many good young players. But I get it. They're still trying to build that way. But I think at a certain point, you owe it to the fan base to do a little bit more than Jack Flaherty. Because Jack Flaherty has been a little spotty, I think, for the last couple of years. I don't know how much you could trust him. Uh, The Jake Berger acquisition, I think, was kind of a cagey one by the the Marlins. The Marlins are dangerous because they're all or nothing, right? If Jorge Soler gets out in the playoffs if they should get in there, Jake Berger and these guys, these power hitters get really hot. They could really carry them over a short two week, three week span. But if they're ice cold, it's going to be death for this team in September. Uh, the Diamondbacks getting Tommy Pham. This was a nice ancillary yeah. piece for them. They needed some help in the outfield. The Renzen was a guy that we all said was going to get traded. He's pitched very well. They were trying to deal Eduardo Rodriguez. He said no. So the Dodgers, I think, kind of left out in the cold. They got Lance Lynn. Is that enough? At the end of the day, I'm not exactly sure, but Uh, It was certainly an eventful trade deadline with a lot of moves, and now we have to reconfigure our brains and see how much, really, these guys that have been added can make an impact down the stretch. Lorenzo was an interesting one, but again, I, I keep thinking the Orioles didn't do enough. 
It's very interesting, Joe P, because Eduardo Rodriguez, one of the biggest surprises or weird quirks of deadline day yesterday, he was dealt to the Dodgers, but he has about 10 teams on his no-trade clause, including a few out on the West Coast. You would think to go to a World Series contender in L.A. from the Motor City in Detroit would be something anybody would dream of, but he wants to be closer to his family out on the East Coast. So he said, no, not going to the Dodgers, not moving to Los Angeles. You saw there the Padres acquire from Pittsburgh, Rich Hill, and a first baseman and G-Man Choi. They were buyers at the deadline, not sellers, on a little bit of a run. San Diego now only two games below 500. They keep Blake Snell. They keep Josh Hader. And, of course, they hold on to Juan Soto as well. We'll talk more about Major League Baseball's deadline day and what it all means for the stretch run of the regular season all around the bigs with Joe Pisapia up next here on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. He is Joe Pisapia back for a second consecutive segment to look at the aftermath and set the stage for the stretch run of this regular season. The final stretch run and sprint perhaps of a 162-game marathon that is a Major League Baseball regular season, all following deadline day in MLB. So Joe P, the biggest move yesterday, of course, the New York Mets trading Justin Verlander back to the Houston Astros. The Astros entered the day with the fifth best price behind their in-state and divisional foes, the Texas Rangers, to win the World Series. It was plus 850 for the Strohs. Now they leapfrog the Rangers. It's 7-1 to for Houston. Texas is 8-1. to So now the fourth best number for the Astros. Joe P., we said all day yesterday, Baltimore is probably going to make some move. Will it be a big splash like going after Verlander or a couple of ancillary pieces? They get Jack Flaherty, from the St. Louis Cardinals, but it still moved their number 17 to 1 yesterday for the O's. Now 12 to 1 live this morning, 13 to 1 following the acquisition of Flaherty and Michael Lorenzen, who was certainly on the trading block from Detroit, makes his way to Philadelphia. The Phil's price was 25 to 1 yesterday, 22 to 1 in the overnight hours live on this Wednesday morning on FanDuel, plus 1900 for the Phil's, the reigning National League pennant winner. So, Joe P., when you look at the movement, Following the player movement on deadline day, which move do you feel is best reflected in the odds shift as well? Well, we can do process of elimination because Michael Lorenzen is a nice kind of filler pitcher because he's pitched relatively under the radar pretty decent this year. But if Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos don't hit, it doesn't matter. I mean, both those guys going into last week's action had slugging percentages under 100. Okay, like that's not for the season, but over that week, just to be clear. So if those guys aren't hitting and Trey Turner really hasn't gotten going on a hot streak and Bryce Harper, you know, I know it's great. He's such a warrior. He came back early from the injury, but this is exactly why I didn't want him to come back early because I was concerned about the power. And guess what? Same thing. I remember back in the day, Luis Gonzalez had this same surgery and you don't see a lot of position players having the Tommy John surgery. It doesn't happen as often. And the thing that zapped him too was that power early on. It took a while for that to come back. Uh, But looking at this right now, to me, it's the Astros. That's the one that really makes the impact because that's the one that I want to bet on. It's the one I wanted to wager on on Sunday because I knew they were going to make a move. And this is why you have to be proactive and not reactive. That's why you're watching shows like TMA. That's why you're watching shows like 
fantasy sports today and you're staying on sports grid and you're downloading the app and you're following us on social so you're ahead of the Woo! curve on this stuff because now what happened baby what happened that went from that plus 850 to seven they're a half game out of first when they overtake the rangers in a couple weeks time what do you think that number is going to be it's probably going to be yeah. something like four or five i mean it's going to change dramatically in the next four weeks so i think you have to understand that this is a team that knows how to flip the switch they've done it before they're battle tested they know what it takes and they know exactly how much energy they have to exert yep. think of them as like the marathon runner right ben we always talk about baseball is not a sprint it's a marathon well these guys are trained for the marathon they understand how to pace themselves and they're getting hot at the right time but the biggest piece is getting verlander back because verlander's pitched relatively well uh, was he as dominant as last year no but he had a weird start to the season with that injury and whenever you get these guys who are creatures of habit out of their routine it's a little bit of an issue and i would say verlander the better acquisition than scherzer ironically in that same division now going head to head against each other because verlander's mm -hmm. arm i think post tommy john i have a little bit more confidence in than the total body package of max scherzer who between back issues and some other issues over the last couple of years hasn't been quite the guy who was as durable as he was maybe just two or three years ago so to me uh, I think it's the impact of the Houston Astros. And I just frankly don't think Jack Flaherty is enough. And they had so much in that system to go out and really bring in a Verlander who maybe didn't want to go there or maybe go out there a couple weeks ago and get a Giolito before the Angels got him. But they failed here. And this is a good learning experience yeah. for the Orioles because if they get bounced in the playoffs early, they'll know next year they can't do that. They are riding with the core that has got them to this point. A game and a half lead for the best mark in the American League East and thus the best record in the AL overall. Jack Flaherty is a nice piece. Is it enough to make the Orioles a true, legitimate World Series and pennant contender? We shall see. To your point, Joe P., by the way, about Verlander, yes, a strange start to the year was placed on the IL with that shoulder strain when he came back a little bit shaky in his vacation up in New York City in Queens. But he has won his last three starts. He has only allowed seven earned over his last seven starts he is rounding into the form of the american league cy young winner we saw last year in houston where he returns the rangers still hold a half game advantage over the astros but now houston has a better price to win a world series and houston has a better price to win the american league joe p as we look at the world series odds quickly here now that the market has settled following deadline day you mentioned it you should have been paying attention to the spiz grizz you would have had value on the strohs you would have had value on the orioles maybe even value on the fills before the market moved following the trade deadline now that the market has settled joe p where do you believe the value still lies i still think for now the value is with the astros because i don't think the market is adjusted enough yet and i understand why it's because the rangers have been competitive but Let's be honest. The Rangers also, you know, bullpen-wise have been shaky all year. I know they went out there and added Chapman, too, and Smith's been okay, but the bullpen had been shaky. On top of which, you got Ivaldi, who you're worried about his arm. Uh, and on top of which, you're worried about Corey Seager's health with that thumb. So the Rangers, again, have not been there. And they're kind of the new guys who are, you know, and credit to them, you know, they built a new ballpark. They went out there and spent money. So the fan base is energized, and that's great. At the end of the day, this is still a team that doesn't really have, you know, all of the pieces in place, I think, quite yet. So to me, the value is still on the Houston Astros. They were my pick to go back to the World Series this yep. year, and I don't always do that. But to me, this is a team that just had a lot of pieces ready to go and still relatively in their prime. You're talking about Kyle Tucker. You want to talk about the antithesis 
of how bad some of the offensive pieces have been for the Phillies. How about the Houston Astros? How about how good Kyle Tucker's been since the all-star break? Can we talk about that? Uh, Alvarez, we all know what damage he can do, especially in a short series. So, look, getting Altuve healthy is important. All of those pieces are important to get healthy, get on track. And all that matters is getting in the dance. And once you get in the dance, I think the Astros are going to be tough. The Braves are interesting, too, because I think there's still some value on the Braves. We have to see if Max Freed can come back and sustain that health and look like Max Freed. If he does, that's the missing piece for them. That's why you didn't see the Braves go out there and make a deal. I think you've seen Bryce Elder come back to the pack, and understandably so. That was always going to happen. We've been waiting for three months for that to happen, and it hasn't happened. He's finally hitting that wall now, and he's seeing some regression there. But the Braves at plus 300, that's still some really good money as long as Max Freed comes back healthy to me. I know it's boring to look at some of the chalk teams, but if you're looking yeah. at the Orioles, again, what's that rotation look like in a short series? I don't think it's a scary group. Uh, I'm sorry. The same thing with that bullpen there. If you're looking at the Rays, the Rays are always their own worst enemy. You're looking at who, the Blue Jays? Come on. Like, I mean, I just can't see anybody else on this board that I think is really worth investing yeah. in. The weird wild card, as you said earlier, is the Padres. The Padres somehow figure things out. Arizona continues to slide, and they sneak in the back mm. door. That is a dangerous trio of pitchers. Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, with Hater at the back end. That is a really tough out. Don't let the Padres in the back door. I'm telling you right now, they're going to ruin the party. They're going to get drunk. They're going to have the police called. It's going to be a whole thing. Watch <laughs> out for them. Don't let them in. It's really interesting, Joe P, because the Padres are still – Two games below 500 by their standard expectation for this year. That's nowhere close to where they thought they were going to be. They're still five games back of a National League wildcard spot, but you saw it there in the odds. It's the sixth best price currently for San Diego. Excuse me, not even sixth best. They're tied with the Brewers and the Giants as they try to do some quick mental math. Tied for the fourth best number at 17-1. to And two weeks ago, Joe P., we thought San Diego might be a seller at the deadline. They've gone on a small run here, so they keep... Blake Snell they keep Josh Hader and they went out and made some moves they get the veteran in Rich Hill they add G-Man Choi for another utility player that can add to their offensive lineup San Diego's all in the chips are in still five games back of a National League wildcard spot but still very much in the thick of it all right Joe P now to the divisional races around Major League Baseball one divisional race is done The Braves have an 11-game lead in the National League East. They no longer have odds up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Dodgers have won the National League West 10 of the last 11 years, and right now, L.A. is a minus 850 favorite. But outside of that, Joe P., some competitive races around the sport. Who's going to win the Central in both leagues? That's anybody's Uh guess. The American League (laughs) East right now, the O's have a a game-and-a-half lead. But the Rays remain the favorites. Makes no sense to me. The Astros and the Rangers currently have the same price, both minus 110 on the FanDuel Sportsbook, a slight shift from the odds you see on your screen. So, Joe P., in your estimation, who are you keeping an eye on? What is going to be the most competitive divisional race down the stretch run of this season? Well, it's clearly the two central races. And I'm still going to put my money on Cleveland because I like that young pitching they have. And I think that, you know, eventually that offense will – start to wake up a little bit one would hope and i'm gonna put my money on the brewers now the brewers didn't go out there and do much either but they have brandon woodruff coming back and that's another big arm like max freed returning you end up with him and potentially down the stretch along with corbin burns who's been much better you're all of a sudden on the right track and you know what good on the pirates you know the brewers went out there and they acquired carl santana but look what they did with santana rich hill they were rebuilding team who brought in some good veteran presence guys 
and then they let him play and they trade him off for more young pieces. That should be the blueprint for a lot more teams in the small market they're rebuilding. Bring in some of those yeah. veteran guys, help grow the youth in your clubhouse, grow a better culture in your clubhouse, then deal them off for more youth and continue the rebuild. Good job by the Pirates, low key. I don't think they won the deadline, but it's a good blueprint yeah. for some other organizations to follow in the future. The Brewers are the favorites right now in the National League Central. They won yesterday. They're a half game back of the Reds, who got stomped by the Cubs at Wrigley 20 to 9. The Cubbies now only four games back of the top spot in the NL Central. Something to keep an eye on. We turn our eye to the gridiron. It's football next on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are one day away from football. Tomorrow, the first football game of 2023 the preseason in the National Football League kicks off in Canton, Ohio. The Hall of Fame game between the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. So let's get on the grid, iron, and go all around the NFL. Training camp reports live right here on this Wednesday on TMA. Joe P. Sapia is back. Joe P. is a man of many talents. He has played the harmonica here. He has sang before while wearing sunglasses. <laughs> he just broke down the Major League Baseball trade deadline and the stretch yeah. run of this year and where to turn to your attention in the futures market. He's also one of the brightest football minds I have ever spoken with. And if you want more insight from Joe P., the Fantasy Black Book for 2023's NFL season now available on Amazon as well. Joe P., we welcome your insight here on this Wednesday around the NFL here on TMA. Yeah, man, this is it. This is when things are really getting hot. Everybody's got something. Everybody's sitting out of practice. People lose their mind. Relax, everybody. It's training camp. Everyone's just trying to get to week one. It ain't that deep. It's deep for some guys. Certain players, it's Oof. important, especially new faces and new places. Some guys returning from injury, a little important too. But this is my favorite time because when everybody hyperventilates over everything, good and bad, and you see the market starts to fluctuate. And that's when smart people like you and me, Ben Stevens, take advantage of it. You more than me. But, Joe P., I do think Colts fans have a slight reason to hyperventilate with the situation around their star running back, Jonathan Taylor. Of course, he was not too pleased with what Colts owner Jim Ursay had to say about the running back situation around the NFL and the value he sees in JT on this Colts club well Jonathan Taylor has demanded a trade from Indianapolis the Colts responded over the weekend with a potential according to sources citing a back issue that Jonathan Taylor complained about at his pre-camp physical to place him on the non-football related injury list which could mean he is out for all of 2023 and the Colts would not have to pay him his salary for this upcoming season virtually Joe P they're calling JT's bluff. All right, you don't want to be an indie? We'll keep you off the field. Well, Jonathan Taylor himself responded. The NFL's leading rusher from two years ago with over 1,800 rushing yards and 18 rushing scores pretty much had this to say, Joe P. Your sources? Check your, quote, sources. My back is good. Never complained about my back. Never said anything about it in my pre-training camp physical. So, Joe P., what do you think the res resolution is going to be in Indianapolis? 
You know, back in college, one of my favorite uh, movies was Half-Baked with Dave Chappelle. Funny movie there. And if you remember, one of the characters needed a bacchiotomy. I got, I got a problem with my back. I got a bacchiotomy. That's, I guess that's what <laughs> Jonathan Taylor had to get. He had to get one of the bacchiotomies. He got really fast. This is so bizarre. Uh, you don't see anything quite like this before. The Ursays continue to astound at their oddness and incompetency. Yep. Is that a good thing? Yeah, you know what? Let's just say incompetency. Look, Jonathan Taylor right now is your offense because as much as I love Anthony Richardson, who is a freak of nature physically, who broke the combine, who shows you, you know, if you put in a lab, you know, those things you see on social media where you're trying to create the perfect quarterback. Well, he's got all those things. He just doesn't have much experience yet, but he does have the character and he's got all the measurables in terms of physical attributes. So it might just take some time. The problem is where are the Colts going with Anthony Richardson without Jonathan Taylor, especially Zach Moss gets hurt. Not that he is a special running back, but that's your depth. Then you're going to have to go down yep. that list to what? Evan Hull, who I love. I mean, for those of you who don't remember, love. Evan Hull is that great running back from the combine who on every single catch, on every single run, ran every single one all the way to the end zone just as a habit of something he did and endeared himself to a lot of people. I know some of my colleagues who are at Senior Bowl talked to me about Evan Hull and how impressed they were with him. And then I saw him at the combine and went, yeah, I get it. I understand why. But they're in trouble right now. So, I mean, they got to figure this thing out with Jonathan Taylor and yep. it this one is one of those situations that does bear monitoring because you're seeing in the fantasy market already him going from a late first round pick to now he's sliding into the second round because of the uncertainty and I get it because I think we all had to learn that lesson the hard way from the Le'Veon Bell year where some guys might just say screw it I'm not going to play I'm going to sit out there and I'm going to wait to either get paid or not and the running backs are all taking a stand I do believe at the end of the day it's a lot of posturing, a lot of nonsense. They're going to figure things out yeah. because I think you have to at this point. You kind of have to come together and figure things out for the good of this squad and supporting mm -hmm. your young quarterback. Because if you don't, that puts him in a really tough position. And then all of a sudden the fan base gets negative. And that's the last thing you want with a young kid coming in who's inexperienced is not to support him with a good running game. And Jonathan Taylor is that running game right now for the Colts. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's a great point, Joe P. I always felt that Anthony Richardson had all of the tools you would want, like you mentioned, for a prototypical quarterback. And he has given Colts fans some thrills so far during practice at training camp. But one of the reasons I was like, okay, Indy, good pick at fourth overall, was not the rookie head coach in Shane Steichen, despite his offensive pedigree, but the team around him with Indianapolis, JT in the backfield, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, there were some young pieces in place to grow and develop with in Indianapolis. But if JT's not there, oh boy, it could become a very scary situation for a young AR. Again, last year was year number three for Jonathan Taylor in the National Football League. The only year out of his three in the NFL, he didn't run for over 1,000 yards. He only played 11 games a season ago, but he was the NFL's leading rusher, both in yards, 1,811, and touchdowns, 18 in 2021. So Joe P., our mock odds makers were in the lab, in the risk room yesterday, setting the odds for what the resolution is in Indianapolis by the time this season starts for the Colts. Right now, the favorite, as our mock odds makers see it, Jonathan Taylor sits week one, week one, but is still a member of Indianapolis. It's minus 300. Plays for Indianapolis week number one, plus 250. Plays for another team, plus 275. Joe P., tell the mock odds makers what's your best bet for Jonathan Taylor's outcome week number one. Uh, I'm going to go right in the middle there for that plus 250 place for the Colts. And I know that's boring, but I mean, two weeks ago, we we're sitting here going, 
Oh, no, the sky is falling with Saquon Barkley. And then he signed a deal, right? I mean, this like they want to play. There's a window here for these guys. So I think they will come to grips. You know, he's very young, too. So I think Taylor very smart after an incredible season two years ago. Last year was an injury-riddled season. So I think the young man getting good advice from his agents probably saying, hey, we need to make sure you get paid because we can't have another one of those kind of seasons happen without you getting paid because then it hurts you in yep. the open market going forward. So you have to work something out. And again, I think cooler heads prevail because if you're the general manager and the head coach of this football team in Indianapolis, you have to support your giant investment you made in Anthony Richardson. You have to. This is not an option here. And now that you have, I mean, what are you going to go out and sign Dalvin Cook instead? Is that what you're going to do? You're going to bring in Zeke Elliott or Leonard Fournette? That's not what you're going to do. You're going to go ahead and give him the best chance to be successful because this organization, frankly, has failed quite a bit in the playoffs. I mean, what have they done since the retirement of Andrew Luck? The answer is nothing, really. They almost yep. barely maybe pushed the Buffalo Bills a couple of years ago with Philip Rivers in that road playoff game. Yeah, they pushed him. It got interesting at the end. But come on, man. Like, if you're the Colts and you're serious about things, the future of this team in the next couple of years is Richardson. It's Taylor. Figure it out. And I think that they will. Second round draft pick. That's what Jonathan Taylor was back in 2020. That means this upcoming year, year number four, is his final under contract. It's why he's trying to ink a long-term extension before free agency this upcoming year or potentially being placed under the franchise tag. It's all a part of the running back conversation in the National Football League. A first-round draft pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past year, Kalijah Kansi, out of Pitt, who was compared to a former Pitt interior defensive lineman in Aaron Donald. Joe P., not a great start for him in Tampa Bay. Maybe a sign of the times in Tampa. What a role reversal it is going to be in 2023 for the Buccaneers as opposed to the last three years when Tom Brady was the quarterback for Tampa Bay. Right now, there's a QB competition going on in Tampa that nobody really seems to be talking about. Baker Mayfield, who was signed this offseason. Kyle Trask, who was a second-round draft pick a few years ago. Either way, Joe P., it doesn't seem all that hopeful down there for the Buccaneers. A win total of six and a half. The under has the heavy juice. It's one of the three lowest win totals around the NFL for 2023. So, Joe P., tell us, how bad is it going to be this year for the Bucs? Well, if you're looking for me to give you hope with the Buccaneers, you're barking up the wrong tree. I am not going to be that guy. It's not going to happen. And it's because you're downgrading from the greatest quarterback who ever played the game to Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask and some combination. So you have to think about the ripple effect, too of all this so you're gonna also take away the volume of tom brady too and i know it wasn't always quality last year i know the wheels kind of came off but still from a fantasy perspective i still see mike evans and chris godwin being drafted as wide receiver two ish kind of guys and i don't know what anyone else is paying attention to tom brady threw the ball 700 times again last year they're not going to throw the ball that much this year they're not going to rashad white becomes interesting but again this offense is not going to be good i had chris raybon on my show who's one of the great betting minds out there i had him yesterday actually on the podcast and we were talking about some of his favorite bets. And one of his favorite preseason bets is the same one I'm involved in, which is the Atlanta Falcons to win this division. So mm. when smart people like Chris Raybon are on stuff like that, and maybe, you know, handsome, bald guys like me, we should pay attention. And I'll tell you why. Because Atlanta has a sneaky good opportunity with Bijan Robinson being this incredible talent to yeah. overtake. You're getting a good number. You know, the Saints are a team in transition. Yes, the Saints theoretically look good, but they have some age on that defense I'm a little concerned with. The Panthers, again, I think are a work in progress. Tampa, I think, is going to go from, you know, a contender to 
uh, really ugly in one single season. I think we could see yeah. that. This is going to be yep. the aftermath of him leaving. But then there's the Atlanta Falcons, who have a fantastic young talent at tight end, a fantastic young talent in Drake London at wide receiver, an all-world prospect. I mean, people are starting to see who don't follow college football, who don't follow college football are seeing Bijan yeah. Robinson in the slot running routes. I mean, could you imagine the mismatches that Bijan Robinson is going to create in situations where a linebacker has to guard him or a nickel corner has to guard him? That's insane. It's not going to happen. Yep. So this is a, an offensive line that's good at running the football. Bijan Robinson, uh, I understand, you know, along with those other pieces, gives Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke, whoever is there, the opportunity to be very competitive under center. So just watch this team very carefully. I think they can get to 10 wins, and I think 10 wins wins this division. That is my concern, Joe P., who is giving all of those talented offensive pieces the football. It seems like Des Ritter is the guy in the ATL. I'm not convinced. It's why I looked at the New Orleans Saints, but I will finish with this on the Buccaneers. You saw the heavy juice on the under of six and a half. I think it's going to be bad, 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 bad for the Bucs this year. Under five and a half alternate win total plus 140 for a little bit of extra plus money for you available out there. I have already invested in the Saints to win this division, Joe P. It will be interesting to see how my investment plays out after a meeting on this Wednesday not far away from us in Midtown Manhattan at NFL League offices with the commissioner, Roger Goodell, Mm -hmm. and the Saints' Alvin Kamara. Of course, he reached a plea deal for his involvement in a fight outside of a Las Vegas nightclub. He is no longer facing felony charges, but it does not mean that the NFL's personal conduct policy cannot issue a suspension to Alvin Kamara for this up coming season joe p that will be very interesting for any investments in new orleans to win the division to maybe contend for a conference crown in the nfc or just their win total overall joe p sapia that was a pretty fun hour huh always a good time with you ben stevens and watch that camaro situation carefully everybody because he's a fantasy value right now and my guess Mm. is four games that's what i'm putting that over under at how about you ben you taking the over or the under I'm going to, ooh, I like the push. It's going to be a push. If you gave me three and a half, I'd take the over four and a half. I'm going under a great mock odds maker himself. More of the morning after. That's up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out this opening hour of the morning after live right here on this Wednesday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is Sports Grid. And this is the new Sports Grid app, the ultimate sports betting companion app now available for download at the Apple App Store. Quickly scan the QR code on your screen in a matter of moments. All of our insight information data in the palm of your hand to make you a better sports better. It is smarter to be on SportsGrid. In the new SportsGrid app, you'll have all the info you need to have your best NFL season ever, ever to be the most engaged fan you have ever been for football. And football starts tomorrow. The NFL preseason kicks off with the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, between the Jets and the Browns. Now, the Jets are playing the Browns tomorrow, But the Jets maybe have a budding rivalry with another B team. That would be the Broncos. 
After Sean Payton, Denver's new head man, had some words for Nathaniel Hackett, the former Broncos head coach, now the offensive coordinator for Gang Green and one of Aaron Rodgers' dear, dear friends. Nathaniel Hackett spoke about Sean Payton's words earlier this week, saying he broke the coaching code. So a new budding rivalry, perhaps, in the National Football League. We wanted to hear from you to end out this opening hour. We do that and fade the public. At SportsGrid TV on Twitter, who will win more games this upcoming 2023 NFL season? Will it be the Jets, who have a win total of nine and a half, the over the slight bit of juice, or will it be the Denver Broncos, whose win total is eight and a half, the under a slight bit of juice? Why do we compare these two teams? Because the war of words between the two of them, and they will play each other week number five in the Mile High City. Most of the public, unsurprisingly, going with the New York Jets to post the most wins in 2023 out of these two teams. Also, some bad news for the Broncos. Tim Patrick might be done for the year after missing all of 2022 as well. Hour two, up next, the morning after on Sports. 